In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Yeah, your passion is for you. It's what's going to drive you. But a purpose, when you find your purpose, that's for other people, right? My purpose, right, is for other people. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you and thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos and I'm coming at you from Lanai with my brother from another mother who is wearing his Hawaiian shirt because he is so festive. How you doing, Dale Culver? I'm doing festive. So, yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, and, uh, the guys, I was sharing last week that uh, we're here on uh, Lanai at a friend's house. My 25-year-old for his birthday wanted to do an Axis deer hunt, and so my uh, good friend uh, offered his house to us. So we're here staying for a couple uh, days here and hunting Axis deer and working and getting it done. And so... Uh, we may have a few technical issues we're working through, but I think everything's going to work out in the end. And so, hey, so I'm really excited to have Kenny join her back on our podcast. As you know, last week we dove headlong into his book, Without a Father, From Fear to Faith. And we only got through the first eight words of wisdom out of 21. And so we've asked Kenny to come on again. He's been gracious enough to agree. And uh, man, I'm really excited to have this guy on, Dale. I love his heart. I love his message, I love his ministry, and I hope that we can get it out to men all over the world. But before we bring Kenny back on the show, do you have a man word for me today? Yeah, I do. And I think my man word last week was mentor. So this week, uh, my word is mentee. And uh, this is something that I think men need to be open to allowing somebody else to speak into their life instead of thinking they got it all figured out and to say hey you you're you're like killing it in this area will you help me in that area and so you know when you're working with young boys too you know if they'd allow that dude in their life that older guy in their life to mentor them and submit under their authority um, and teaching then that would be great another word for that is being teachable and humbling yourself so Mm. there you go well, and, and you know, it's really, I, I don't use the word mentee as much. It sounds too much like manatee to me. So uh, I yeah, have these weird pet peeves of words. So I, I like the word protege. And so I think this is really important. And I would add to that that, 
young boys are not going to go to an older guy and ask them to mentor them. And so the no, older guy has to look for those younger guys. But, but I will tell you this. I had a 30-something-year-old man email, texted me last week and said, I'm struggling. Will you be my mentor? And I, I said I yes. Him. And so here I'm a guy who has an international ministry to men, yet it's so shocking how many guys actually reach out and ask me to help them. I think I'm like that beautiful girl in high school who nobody wants to ask out because she's they think she's yeah. too pretty and unavoidable. And now I know I'm too pretty, but I'm not unapproachable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, knock it off. Kenny, knock it off. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, as, as, we get, as we get older, we need to take responsibility to find a man that we respect and reach out and say, hey, man, you're a few years older than me. I like how you're living your life. You seem to model it well. Will you help me? And I just think we need to drop the guard get rid of our egos, you know, uh, and, and have guys help us out. And so, uh, and I'm excited and that's what Kenny does. And so it's a great word. And so uh, if you guys remember from last week, Kenny Joyner is the director and co-founder of Boys with a Purpose, which is a nonprofit after school mentoring organization for young boys. His organization has been serving, serving in the Charleston, South Carolina area since 2016. And Kenny in his book, Without a Father from Fear to Faith, shares about growing up without a father which has sparked his passion to help young men develop their gifts and to ultimately find life's purpose. So his passion started way back in 1998 when he led a youth group at his church in Baltimore. Uh, and that was the beginning of a lifelong mission to build and develop strong young men. So we're excited to have him back on. We're diving into his book, from, uh, Without a Father, From Fear to Faith. And so, Kenny, it's great to have you on the show again, brother. Hey, Jim, great to be here, man. Thank you so much. Uh, again, I, I was pumped last week when we got off, and so I'm looking forward to our time today. So, again, just thank you. Well, you know, it's really funny. I, you know, I interact with guys on the show, and we do a lot of Zoom stuff in the last year or so. And so when you meet these guys, it's really funny to see them. Like one of the guys I've been interacting with forever, I meet him face-to-face -face in Texas last month, and he's 6'6". <laughs> you know, and there's another guy. I, I he told me he's like five two, and I've never seen him before. But I'm I'm envisioning you as about six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. Get, where am I? Am I close? Uh, no, I'm five. <laughs> I'm five. I'm five ten, right at two hundred, and I'm trying to get lower than that. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, it's funny because so you're about what I would expect build wise. But you had mentioned a couple of times about basketball, and I thought, well, he must be about six two then. So, so five foot ten. So you're built what I thought. You're just a little shorter. So when I do meet you in South Carolina face to face, uh, I will not be disappointed. <laughs> and, when, Amen. And, Amen. And, uh, and so I'm about five foot. I uh, know I'm six foot, and I'm uh, about uh, two hundred fifty pounds. So I'm a I'm a okay. I'm a big boy. So anyway, look forward to meeting you face to face someday. But hey, let's dive into this podcast because you've got some great words of wisdom to offer men and I'm, I'm really excited about this so guys you can go back to our last week's meeting and deal with uh, one through eight so we're going to kick off on words of wisdom number nine for fathers and I really love this one and you you said love beyond your pain and in your book on page 112 you wrote this God has is and will go all in when it comes to his love for us he will never leave us or forget about us. God can't love us any less than he does. His love is forever and will never fade. So can you walk us through word of wisdom number nine? 
Yeah, Love Beyond Your Pain is, is, is just, again, that's my story, right? I grew up without my father, so I grew up with that hole in my heart, that void, and uh, that, that resentment, that hurt, uh, it, left, it, it leaves pain, right? It produces a pain in you, and sometimes you can't get past that, right? You can't get past all of the hurt that, uh, and disappointment um, that you feel because, you know, you don't have your father in your life. And so I, I couldn't early on. Right. And so what happened again is that when, when you understand the principle that God is the father, right, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never stops loving us no matter what we go through. Um, then, then, and you take on that mentality then you know that it doesn't matter what circumstances you are. It doesn't matter what your situation is. You have a father in heaven that um, loves you, cares about you, and is going to uh, be there, uh, be there for you um, through whatever difficulty and pain that you go through. So, um, so that's that's what love beyond your pain, and you have to be able to get over that pain. A lot of us we talked last you know week about just if you carry that pain then it's that's the cancer that eats you away right mm-hmm, and if you mm-hmm. keep carrying that pain right uh you will never be able to grow or develop that relationship and so if you can uh men with your father um and get past that pain uh, i would encourage every man to do that because otherwise you die with that regret um and and the hole is even bigger when you die with regret well, you know, it's interesting, Kenny. Next week, we're having a guy on our podcast. He is the president of NCMM, National Coalition of Men's Ministry, which is the largest coalition of men's ministries in the world. And I think that you're a member of that now, correct? I yes, think I you am. are. So, well, congratulations on that. But uh, he, <laughs> his, his, listen to this story, Kenny. He's telling his story next week. His dad was married 15 times. And wow. was actually sentenced to death on death row. He was on death row for years and was actually exonerated. But he tells his story of overcoming a father like that and how he was able to overcome the woundedness and not let it become a cancer. And I'm not going to spoil that podcast, but he offers some tools or a tool and a couple key things his dad did right in the midst of it all that will be life changing. But his whole story, Kenny, is about a guy who had to overcome a, a, a horrible, in many ways, a horrible father. I mean, 15 marriages on death row. How many guys can say that you know, about their dads? You know? right. And so right. uh, for a guy like that to overcome a wound like that, uh, it, it was really impressive. And for you to overcome fatherlessness, all I'm saying is it can be done. And, and you're saying yes. it has to be done. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. If we're going to really turn the tide um, in this country um, and balance the scales, we've got to be able to overcome that. Um, and we've got a blueprint already for it. Uh, it just It's going to take men like you. It's going to take real men to actually get in the arena. We talked about getting in the game yeah. right, uh, last time, right? And so I'm not really concerned about people who are on the sidelines talking. I'm concerned about people who are actually in the game doing the work. And so I'm I'm definitely going to be tuned in next week, um, but I'm also tuned into you. And I so appreciate what you're doing because you've been in this game for quite some time and it's clear that you're making a difference. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for affirming me, man. I appreciate that. You know, Teddy Roosevelt in his speech, uh, citizens in the uh, uh, citizens in the republic, 
we call it the man in the arena speech. He said, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. And so our whole message is to partner with guys like you who are in the arena and call men who are listening out of the anonymous bleachers and into the arena. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. And Kenny, your case in point, and and uh, we have to get, I love, you, you, you know, you're, you're so matter of fact about your statement though. You're like, you know, a man who get, you know, a man just has to get over that. And that's true. We've got to find a way to get over it because at 40, at 35 years old, we can't blame anybody anymore. It's our life that we have to live. And so I appreciate your matter of fact and your directness. And, and I agree 100%. Figure it out, guys. Find a way. But you've got to get over this stuff and you because you've got family and you've got children and a wife who are dependent on you. So, yeah, I appreciate that, man. So, hey, word of wisdom number 10. And I love this because this is something I think is critical for men, especially Western men, especially men in in these uh, first world type of nations. We have to understand this. And you said the word of wisdom number 10 is don't worship money. And you added in your book that worship is made only for one person. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think what happens is, and that's where we have, um, and this is a piece that I'm getting ready to do, um, we've dropped a baton with these last, I would say the last two generations. Agreed. We have pushed, we, we, we have pushed ourselves to acquire stuff and things, but we have not poured into them enough equity so that they can be able to sustain us when the, the, that time comes and take us beyond, right, where we are. Um, and so um, when you fall in love with money, when you grow up in poverty, and of course, you know, I grew up in poverty, um, you seek after those things that you don't have, right? And you seek after them and they become your God. They become what you worship. And so some of us worship uh, status. We worship likes. We worship followers, right? Um, you know, and so some of us have, have just, you know, who come out of poverty, we worship money. And I found that there, that was a lot of a lot of uh, there were a lot of guys around me who were worshipers of money, and I just I saw the 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 highs that it can bring, but I also saw a lot of the lows. Right? I know drug dealers who uh, were way high at one time, but they are not you know uh, flying high anymore. And so I just didn't want to be that. You know, um, it, it was in my environment. It was surrounded. You know, I was surrounded by it at that time. But I just believe that there was something more. And if we can get young people to learn early, especially our young males, that you can't worship money. It's a tool to be used, right? Not an entity to be worshipped. And so you must instill that. That has to be taught, right? You don't just get that when you get money, right? Because when you do get money, we know it only exonifies and accentuates what's already in you. Right. So we just want to make sure that, um, you know, and I just want to make sure that you teach that uh, um, that that principle of not worshiping money. Well, and I'll add this. You know, I'm at a, a home here on Lanai that's probably it's zillowed at about two and a half million dollars. But the guy who owns this house gives about half of his income away. So we're not saying don't have money. We're saying don't worship money. Now, I will it say is. this. Guys like you and I, Kenny. Who are in, uh, who have uh, passion for a, a nonprofit type of area, you know, we may have hundreds and thousands of followers. We may have people from many nations following us, but what people don't realize about guys like you and I is 
we don't have wealth the way the world sees wealth. We have wealth in purpose. And in your book, you wrote something really powerful, and I want you to build on this. You said purpose is greater than money. This is on page 120, Kenny. Purpose is greater than money. Money must be used for its intended purpose. Only then will you be able to master your money problems. So here's the test, Kenny. How do we know that money does not master us? What are the signs of a man who is free from the love of money? Well, I think you, you go back and, you know, it, for me, it starts with, um, you know, you, you got to develop that passion. And so passion is for you. Purpose is for others. Right. Yeah. And oh. so, yeah, your passion is for you. It's what's going to drive you. But a purpose, you, when you find your purpose, that's for other people. Right. My purpose. Right. Is for other people. Right. Your purpose is to help other people. And so when you when money replaces that. Right. It's just about I've got passion. Right. And so the sign of a man who is not loving money is that he is now putting purpose in other people's lives. He is putting purpose before the cash. Right. He's trying to empower the next generation in some field. Doesn't have to be what we do, but it can be any field. But he's not built on the fact that I was watching the other day and Bill, they said Bill Gates is only going to leave 10 million dollars to his uh, to his kids. Right. Not only, but you know what I mean. Right. So and you would think that they would get more. Right. But again, he understands that it's not about the money. Right. He understands that you've got to do something beyond what it is for you. And that if you have a billion dollars, you're not gifted with a billion dollars just for you. It's a purpose for you now to give some away to help other people. Well, you know, the Bible gives a great test. You know, for, for, first of all, I'll say this. Money is not the root of all evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And the test is this. Guys, if you're wanting to know whether or not you worship money, I've got a really easy test for you. Are you giving 10% of your money away off the top to kingdom organizations you care about? If you are not, now I'm not saying tithe 10% to your church. I'm saying tithe 10% to kingdom organizations that you love. Are you doing that? And if you aren't, then I think you've got an issue with money. And the reason why I'm not saying the local church is because most people listening to this program aren't Jewish. And the right. Jewish law said tithe to the storehouse. But under the New Testament law, that was never, ever taught once. And the only time the word tithe is taught in the New Testament, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for tithing uh, and how they tithe. So I don't want That's guys right. to think they have to give their first 10% to the local church. I just don't think that is a New Testament principle. Uh, but if you're Jewish, go for it. You know what I'm saying? But, but are you holding money loosely? Are you giving money away? Are you doing that? So if you're hoarding money under some weird excuse then I would say you've got a problem with money. Am I right on that, Kenny, or what are your thoughts? No, I would say definitely that because, again, it's 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 the tool to be used, right? Not an entity yes. to be worshipped. And so if you have enough for you, you have enough for your kids and their kids, and you're hoarding that kind of money because it's really a resource, right? Yeah. It's a resource. And so you want to be able to not only take care of your family, your extended family, but now if you've got enough resource to help somebody else, right, 
I think we should, right? That's one of the questions we ask our young men. Like, if you can do better, should you as a man? All right, well, hey, hey, I think we should. I think we kind of got our guys by the neck in a stranglehold about money. And so I think we'll let them go right now a little bit because guys get really <laughs> weird about money, you know. And I've never gotten weird about money because money's just never been a factor for me. But I think sometimes when guys get really weird about talking about money, I think it could be an issue for guys. So anyway, hey, word of wisdom number 11 for dads is this, and, and this is so good, man. Transform your thinking. And in your book, you wrote this on page 140. You must change the way you think to develop a different outcome for your life. So I'm going to reread that because I think that's huge. You must change the way you think to develop a different outcome for your life. So this means that anyone, you, you continue, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And, and of course, you're quoting 2 Corinthians 5.17. But I know that you know Romans chapter 12, verses 1 by, and 2 by heart. So how does uh, transforming our thinking Help us to not be conformed to this world. Well, again, as you just said, you know, um, coming from where I come from, there was a there was a continued um, way of thinking. Right. Um, this is how we do it. This is how it has been done. And if you uh, deviate from that, then you'll be an out outcast. Right. And so transforming this right here to say, I don't want the life that I am surrounded by. I don't want the experiences that I've had thus far, domestic violence, um, you know, being set out, different things like that. I want to transform my mind and I want to go to a place where um, I'm prosperous, right? I'm valuable. And I believe that. And so um, having a young person change their thinking um, is critical because it is your thinking, not your talent, not your ability that is really going to determine the course of your life. If you think you can, right, uh, you will, right? If you think you can't, you've already lost. We know that, right? Yeah. But And, and that whole piece of uh, but, but getting the thinking to change, right? Because he says, by the renewing of your yes. mind. Yes, yes. So you right. So you've got to actually now renew. You've got to get new thoughts to come in. And if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have a, a man to be able to speak into your life, right, um, something positive in a, and puts you in a different direction, as we talked about changing the trajectory of your your life, you you will continue in that same path and you will be conformed to the world. And so um, for me, I just wanted something different, man, you know, and, and so I just had to hold on to that. And I didn't know if God heard my prayers. I didn't know if he was real or, you know, I don't want people to think like you got to have this whole, you know, thing with God figured out. You don't. What you have to believe is you want something different. Right. That's powerful. That's powerful. That. <laughs> you don't have to. Hey, you don't. Guys, you don't have to have this God thing figured out. Do you know that? Do you know that after 30 years of full time ministry, I still don't have this God thing figured out. You don't really? have to have it. You just need to know that you want something different. So, Kenny, I, while you're talking, I had shivers come all over my body, <laughs> which usually means I need to dive into something here. And so, you know, I'm looking at you on the screen, and, and I would say, yeah, you are a better-looking man than me. But uh, <laughs> it's probably because you're full head of hair. But, you know, you are a lot tanner than me. You are you are tan. So it would be safe to say that you are a black man? Or how would you determine, how would you call yourself based on your ethnicity? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I would say that I'm an African-American man. Absolutely. Um, you know, but I think that even in that, um, what's, what's really evolved for me is that God is not concerned about skin color, right? He's not up in heaven saying, oh, let's separate this person from that. He's not, that is not his concern. Exactly. He loves the, right? He loves the richness of color. He loves the differences. He loves to be able to, to, to see the variety in things, right? If everything was, you know, one way, if the only thing you could eat was hamburger, I mean, life would be kind of dull, right? Because you say, what about pizza and fries and all this other stuff? You know what I'm saying? So, and I think that's really, when I got over that in my head, that like, God's not concerned with color. We put a lot of emphasis on it, right? Yeah. Because that's what? That's the what? That's how we've been trained. Yep. Right? Yep. yep. That's the, we haven't transformed our mind into say, you know what? He's just like me. He looks different. What can I learn from him? What can I learn from her? Right? To make us what? All better. Right? So that's really, um, for me, uh, this whole thing. And, and, and obviously, as we, we know, there are definitely some things when it comes to race that are problems in our society. But I think that here's what God wants. He wants to renew your mind, transform your thinking so that you can go change those things. So, Kenny, so for the last year, we've had a uh, young man live in our house. He just graduated with his bachelor's degree and he was adopted at three from Liberia. And he is dark. He would say that you're mocha. That's his like he's you're not even he would he wouldn't even call you black. He's like, I'm black. That guy's mocha. But here's right. what I want here's what I want to say, man. I, I agree with you. I think I love color. My grandpa was full blooded Portuguese and he was about as dark as you are. And I'll tell you what, uh, when I, your famous picture that was on social media that had hundreds of shares, it's a picture with you and another teacher with twelve young boys and eleven of them are young little African American boys. One is a little you know, white kid. And so, which shows me that you are working with that demographic. How is your message to those young boys, many of them of color, how is it freeing? And, and how would it, and is it different than uh, what a teacher would be saying to his little white students? I mean, walk us through that a little bit. Is, is there a different set thing, a different mindset you're helping these boys work through? Does it matter? No. With color? Uh -uh, no. Mm -mm. Okay. It doesn't. It doesn't. And that's one of the things that if we want to see a, better society if we want to see a society be able to get along whether you be white black asian whatever the case may be we've got to speak truth to kids of all colors i believe that 100 yeah because that's what's been that's what's happened to me right so there have been some people who don't look like me who've treated me better than people who do look like me right and so i i, I don't ever want to hang my hat on the fact that hey, there's racism in here. Absolutely, there's racism. Dr. Eric Thomas said, there's racism. He said, but I ain't going to cry about it. I'm still going to be successful. I'm yeah. still going to get to the top. I'm still going to do the things that I need to do. And so what we do, when I send a message out, right, we send a message of truth out to white, to black. It doesn't matter who's right receiving it. And then we let kids know, like, okay, this is where we started. This is where we are. How do you think? we should fix it, right? Do you think there uh, should have been white fountains and black fountains, right? Because they didn't grow up in that, right? Yeah, Do yeah. Do you think that, right? So you, when you pose that question, 
to them, to this generation, they're like, no, it shouldn't be. Everybody should be equal. I drink out the same fountain, right? And so that's the mentality that we take into our lessons when we teach. When I teach something, I teach the truth, and then we 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 pose the questions to the to to the boys. And so, getting them to see, and I think that knowing the history, right? Uh, I was recently talking to a guy. He emailed me. He loved what we were doing, and he said, "He said, um, I I have great heroes that are African American, and I have great heroes that are not." And he said, "I hope that you are infusing those kinds of heroes right into our boys, because again, when people see us, the the impression is, yes, uh, they're mentoring you know African American males, uh, young men who don't have fathers, but it's all of our kids. We've got." Boys who have fathers, white or black. We've got boys who don't have fathers, white and black. Right? It doesn't matter to me. What we want to do is we're trying to create a genuine truth teller. We're trying to create a strong young man. Because here's what I said to a guy. I said, let me tell you, if, it, if it's color that's dividing us. You've got a son, right? He's on his deathbed. And the person who is about to operate on him is opposite color of you. Do you want him to save your son or do you worry about his color, right? It's about the man. It's about the knowledge. It's about the character. It's about the skill set, right? So those are the kinds of men that we're trying to build up, not not men who look at what's on the outside, right? We talked about that. And, and, and even what he says, he said, man judges what? The outside. God looks at the heart, 1 Samuel 16, 7. That, you well, you know, right. I, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> Because you, we are about, as followers of Jesus, we are about truth. And here's the thing I know, bro. Second Timothy 3.12 says, For the godly in Christ will be persecuted. And you and I are brothers, and you and I are on the same team. And you and I are going to be persecuted, not based on our color, but based on our faith. And if we are not united in faith and truth, we are a house divided. And so I really appreciate that. Which goes to number 12. Word of wisdom number 12 for fathers is this. And... And uh, this is actually Robert Lewis in his book, Raising the Modern Day Night, defines manhood as several things. And the, first, the second thing is accepting responsibility. And so in your book, you say number 12 word of wisdom is be responsible. And you continue writing and you said, if you're going to be a king, you must be responsible. Many men walk away from their responsibilities as fathers because they have not been trained in the importance, importance of being responsible. You must take responsibility for who you are and what you do uh and that was me right i yeah. had to be responsible right i had to learn how to be responsible and not make excuses once i hit you know 25 30 right i couldn't keep blaming now i did hold that grudge but i couldn't keep blaming my father for not being there right going into my 30s i was already a father myself um and I had a family, I was already married. And so what I had to do was, I had to learn that there, with, with this thing called being a man, right, comes responsibility, right? And of course, you know, we talked about being consistent, um, don't make excuses, admit when you're wrong, don't complain, um, and handle the small stuff. Those are just some key pieces. And so those key pieces help me to see that as a man, when you're in this environment, uh, every young man, every man, period, I believe this, you got to get small wins. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you got you to gotta get some small wins to give you some kind of momentum. And so if you can get a small win. So this morning, I had a small win. I did my 100 push-ups, 
right? That's a small win. Second, I got to the gym this morning, right? I did my workout, right? That's another win. So now I've got some momentum, right? I get back here. I get prepped. I get ready for this podcast. Another small win, right? And so I'm just creating momentum in my day. And so being consistent, um, uh, not making excuses, right? We know that when you make excuses, they only sound good to the person that's giving them, right? So just teaching those real characteristics of what responsibility actually looks like. If you say you're going to do something as a man, you do it. Well, and here's what bothers me in modern technology. There are a lot of guys out there that think it's okay to not respond to a text or not respond to a phone call. I'm like, dude, I have a guy right now who I was vetting for a national team captain that I, that he may not be one because he just won't respond. And I can't have that. That the, it's the Jesus said it's the little things, and it is Woo. the little things. So we have to be responsible. Yes. Uh, and, and if we can't teach these little boys, these young boys, to be responsible, don't lie, you know, don't steal, don't cheat on your tests, you know, we can't, you know, take out the trash, put the toilet seat down after you pee. If we right? can't, if we can't, <laughs> if we can't teach these things to our little boys when they grow up, they're going to be worthless males and they'll never grow into men. And so super important. So I appreciate that. So in your book, as an author myself, a lot of us are self-published and I love reading books and, and, uh, uh, finding little typos here and there. And so this is the one I found for you that I thought was cool. I love it. I love yeah, it. And so I, I'm calling this word of wisdom number 13, because it is a word of wisdom. It's, it's highlighted. It's emboldened in your book. It just wasn't numbered as 13. So I'm calling it number 13. And you just said, and I think this is so powerful, especially in your story, be present. And you said this, you don't have to become a father when the child is born. You become a father when you accept your role as a man who is walking in the awareness of who God designed you to be. And then you continue and you say, your presence represents an assurance for your children that can only be given by you. And then you wrote, be present. I just, I can't articulate enough how powerful, honestly, parents come in all shapes and sizes and colors and qualifications and education. And some of us are great in some areas and weak in other areas. But you know what? I think that those two words, Kenny, may be the most important two words uh, that you could speak in the book. Can you articulate what, what's going on here? Well, here, here's, here's how you come to that conclusion, and I want everybody to understand that. Um, you, you get here because you fail, right? You, you fail because, and we learn from our failures. I was working uh, UPS, uh, and I was teaching at the same time, right? I was trying to be that breadwinner, and we, I was trying to do that grind uh, and make sure that everything was taken care of. And true story, my daughter is checking into her um, dorm room, ninth grade i mean freshman year and college and um i ups wouldn't give me off right and so i said to her listen granddad's gonna come up and um dad will be up on saturday to move the rest of your stuff in right and so she said okay no problem at the end of every year i sit down with my wife and my daughter and i ask this question how did i do how did i do as a husband how did i do as a father oh every year Every year we do that. So here we go. Fast forward. Sophomore year. Sat down with my daughter. Um, and, and, and in between that time, uh, we had an event at with the Charlotte Hornets, with the boys, 
right? I took off, took the boys to the game. We had a phenomenal time. They got to see LeBron play uh, back in 2019, no problem. At the end of the, the, her, uh, her, her, her sophomore year, she, I asked that question. I said, hey, how did I do this year? And she said, dad, when you took off with the boys and you didn't take off for me, I felt like you chose them over me. Wow. I wasn't pressed. Yeah, right? Not good feedback for a guy no. like me, right? But I could have been angry. I could have been upset. I could have said, hey, dad is doing all these things to make a better life for you. But that's not what she wanted to hear. She wanted what? My presence. So through my failure, I'm telling every dad, you got to be present, right? You can't go out here and grind, grind, grind. And then if your kid says, hey, dad, can we throw the baseball around for a little bit? And you say, I'm too tired, right? Be present. Your presence brings energy and power like no other person on the planet. When I call, my daughter could be in the room with 25 kids. When she hears my voice, she knows it's me. So if you're not present as a father, the voice that is guiding your children is somebody else's. So powerful. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You know, if I could say this to dads, you need to do everything in your power to be at as many extracurricular activities as your kids as possible. I mean, you need to do it. If they play football, man, you better be at those games. I mean, be That's at right. those games. Because, you know, football, you have 10 games, you know, maybe. And so be at right. those games. Like, we have, you know, I have granddaughter now. We're going to her t-ball games. Why? Because the pre ministry of presence. You know, Bill Walsh, who was a famous coach for the 49ers, once said, 85% of success is showing up. And so That's this it. is so important, man. Just show up. And so I love it. Word of Wisdom 14 is close to my heart. Uh, it is the fifth in our five essentials of manhood, which is in my new book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. Uh, our fifth essential is finishing strong. And your 14th word of wisdom is finish what you start. And you write, as we examine society where some men have not been protectors, providers, present physically or emotional or responsible, we see a society that is crumbling in disaster in every area. Wow, that is powerful. Can you elaborate on men and finishing what they start? Well, I think we, you know, I heard somebody say we don't get, we get rewarded for in, in public for what we do uh, in private. And so um, when we finish what we start, we don't get rewarded for what we start, right? Any man can start a relationship. Any man can start a book. Any man can start a job. We get rewarded for what we finish, right? Yeah. And what are the crucial things that we need to finish? We need to finish being a father, right? So that I pass the baton, so that you pass the baton to your son, right? And you pass it with such clarity, such value, such importance, right? And you give them the strength. But what happens is, as I said earlier, we've dropped the baton, yes. right? And we haven't been able to pass that. So we're not finishing what we start. And we see the result of that in these last two generations. And so we want to get to a place where every person, especially our men, when you start something, you finish it. Right. You think about books that, are, that you started. You think about this book that I wrote. Right. What if I didn't finish? Right. Think about the book you wrote. What if you, did, you started it, man? Hey, I started a book. You don't get rewarded for that. You get rewarded when you finish. Hey, Kenny, can I jump in? Because you said something you, really important. 
I ask men all the time, how do you finish your life strong? And, and, and here's, I believe, the recipe because there's one finish that matters more than all other finishes. And Ooh. it's the life finish. And here's how you finish a life strong. Here's how you do it. You finish every day strong. So mm. you, you mentioned in your you mentioned earlier like you work out you get a win you're on the podcast you get a win well a lot of guys will do that very well and they come home and they think okay my final win is I got home no your final win is when those kids go to bed were you off the couch and playing basketball with them were you coaching them were you loving that woman were you engaged in a meal at your family where you prayed for the family and prayed for the meal you know. Your work begins as a man when you get home because all your kids are going to care about on your deathbed is what you did between 5.30 and 9.30 at night. That's right. <laughs> Think about That's it for right. a second. Think about it for a second. It doesn't matter how poor or rich you are. Your kids aren't going to remember that stuff. <laughs> you believe that. You oh, believe that, buddy. Finishing man, is so, finishing, so close to my heart. And then, But finish, finishing goes with word of wisdom number 15. And you've mentioned it earlier. But I'm going to let you speak on it again. And I think this is really important because I think a lot of guys will give up. In fact, we interviewed Michelle Watson Canfield, and she, she's the dad whisperer. And she talked about men not wanting to do anything because they're afraid they're going to fail. But I think mm -hmm. failure, there's beauty in failure. And you said uh, in Word of Wisdom number 15, failure produces success. And that sounds almost contradictory. So can you talk us through it? Right. So every failure... Uh, we've learned that it puts you closer and closer to the win. It puts you closer and closer to success. Uh, Michael Dyson, who, who created Dyson Vacuums, they said he failed. <laughs> we like have one. 11, yeah, right? <laughs> They're and the he best. Failed, I know, right? Yes. But he failed. He failed 1,100 times before he hit with that, that, that patent wow. that produces the vacuum now. And I said to myself, I don't think I've ever failed at anything 1,100 times. No, right? no. I, I, I would just give up. Right? Yep. <laughs> so, so, so what we want to make sure that kids understand and, and, and the men, period, understand is that every failure, every business that's been started failed. Twitter was dead for two years, right? Then it blew up, right? So everything goes through that process of failure before you can actually produce success. Kobe Bryant, right? Terrible jump shot when he got into the league, right? But again, through that failure, five rings. LeBron James, 10 finals, four rings. Michael Jordan, right? Cut from the team. Well, yeah, his high school team. And hey, I was going to ask you, because you're from South Carolina, so of course you know Michael J. How about, how about that Nike commercial? Remember that Nike commercial? I love that commercial. Oh, man. I love that commercial. Tell these young young bucks about that commercial. So that commercial was so inspiration because he starts off in a documentary about, I've missed over 3,000 shots, right? He says, 26 times I've been entrusted, right, to take the game-winning shot and fail. He says, I failed over and over in my life, and that is why I succeed, right? I can't tell you. How many times I used to watch that commercial uh, growing up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real, that's what this generation has to go back and 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 Google that one for real, for real. So well, that uh, that that, yeah. that that story, that commercial is in my book, my new book, Strongman Dangerous wow. Because I just I thought it. it was so powerful. Abraham Lincoln, he's my seventh cousin. 
What I mean, if you carry, track his history, man, what a what a failure! I mean, right. I mean right. you look at these guys, you're like, what a failure! And these guys are the most successful historic men we knew. So, guys, you got this. You've got this. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be in the game and good enough. So keep going, man. So, word of wisdom number sixteen. We're pushing through here, baby. Pushing through. Word of wisdom number sixteen. Do you discover your purpose? Can you explain what that means? Do you discover your purposes? You know, it goes to identity, right? Uh-huh. So everybody is trying to steal the identity of this next generation coming through, yeah. right? And they want this next generation to be somebody else. They want you to do this. They want you to wear this, talk this way, dress this way, right? They want you to identify with certain things. And what I'm saying is you got to do you. Why? Because nobody on the planet can be you like you. Right. And in doing that, you now are on a better path, a more focused path to discover why you're here. What is your purpose? Right. We know what the purpose of some of the people that we admire. Right. Like Michael Jordan. that We just talked what we know what their purposes were. Right. Because they stayed the course. Right. He, he couldn't be Dr. J. Right. He wanted to be like Mike. Right. Yes. And that was the key. You know, so my with that piece is what I was trying to do is I was trying to find purpose. Right. That's how Boys with a Purpose came about. When we first started out, we were calling it the Gentleman's Club. And then I kept saying, nah, that that's not a good fit. Right. So what was happening in my life is I was trying to find my purpose. And I was and, and that's when the name just came Boys with a Purpose. Right. And so. Yeah, that's really where it came from. And so I'm just saying that now that remember what I said earlier, your passion is for you. Your purpose is for others. Well, you, you said it best, man. Guys, guys, listen, scratch your own itch. I mean, what is it that wrecks you? What is your Popeye moment? Remember, yeah, it's all I can stand. I can't stand more. You know, here's the deal, guys. <laughs> guys, your mess is going to be your message when you allow God to fix Ooh. it. So, so Kenny, on page 183, you said something I thought was really powerful and noteworthy. You wrote this. When you walk in purpose, you become the very best version of yourself. You must become who you were designed to be. You are not a mistake. If you trust the designer, he will give you clarity and a vision for your destiny. Listen to this, guys. God wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. That's probably a John 10.10 10, uh, 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 quote. Don't then he said then you said this Kenny this is powerful don't <laughs> die with an unopened gift inside of you whoa talk to me mm. well the unopened gift uh, came out of a lesson I actually did in um, in the classroom right and um, I placed uh, just boxes like little gift boxes right on the table for all of my students right and I said each of you already has a gift inside of you right now you can choose to open that gift or you can open the gift that's on your table totally up to you right so now inside the gift box right was nothing there was nothing in that box right so when they open the box they're like oh no mrs jordan what's going on i was like listen the gift inside of you is more valuable than anything that I could give you. Anything that I could give you. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm and stealing so that. We, oh, I'm stealing that. Yeah. <laughs> we all have a gift, man. 
And when I opened up my gift that was inside of me, that's when everything changed for me. That's when my life took off, right? And then I had to craft that gift. I had to hone that gift. I had to practice on that gift. And so if your gift and my gift never gets open, what happens to the people around us? Right? Man. So I don't ever yeah. <laughs> I don't ever want to die with an unopened gift. And I want every person that I come in contact with, I'm trying to get that gift out of you. Well, right? I'm always telling open I'm telling people leave it on the field. The greatest tragedy in life, Kenny, is for a man to die with potential. Woo! Right? I mean what you're saying is yeah. if you if you don't if you die with that gift not fully unwrapped, you're dying with with potential still in you. You haven't left it on the field and you've you've wasted the gift. I mm. mean maybe you and I should partner up and we'll write a book called the Let's gift. Do Don't waste the gift. That would be really, really fun. That would be really, really fun. Yes. So, man, yes. don't waste the gift, guys. Don't die with potential, mm. and you die. Get off the I love field. It. Leave it. It's like that a game with a. I'm a Lakers fan. When uh, it, it must have been 1981, the Lakers. I think it was Lakers versus Sixers World Championship, or it might have been Celtics. But uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was out, and uh, Michael, or not Michael J, but. Uh, was it Michael Jordan? It was Michael Jordan. It wasn't Magic Johnson. Played with a fever. Remember that? He played yeah, a, with a Jordan high fever and scored like 40 yeah. points. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, man, we just, yeah. we just got to suck it up. I, and Michael, oh, you know what it was? <laughs> when Ma Magic Johnson played center for the Lakers in their championship game when they beat the Sixers, I think, a 4-2 to two series. And he mm. played at center when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was out. But either way, yeah. man... We've got to we've got to be willing to suck it up and leave it on the field and and die with no potential left in us. And so, hey, uh, Word of Wisdom seventeen says know and develop your self worth. And I'm going to read a quote from page ninety where you said, "quote Develop ways to use fear and anxiety for your benefit. No matter what yes. you've done or where you've come from, God wants you and I to always remember that we will forever be first class." Hmm. Well, you know, I talk, there's a chapter in the book called, obviously, First Class. And uh, here's where that comes from. Uh, I'm sitting behind First Class, you know, like the row right behind First Class. And they close the curtain, but you can see through the curtain, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. And <laughs> Right? You can see through. And I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, and I when I got on the plane, right, I was thinking to myself, man, when am I ever going to fly First Class? Right? So I'm sitting right behind First Class. I'm looking. And I'm thinking to myself, like, they're not really getting more than I'm getting. One, two, they're going to get there the same time I get there. <laughs> right? Yes, this yes. They get, they're going to get there the same time I get there. They paid more for their seats than I did. And then here's what happens. I get off to my connecting flight, right? And before I get on the plane, the lady says to me, uh, sir, we had to change your seat. We had a couple that wanted to sit, sit together, so we had to change your seat. And guess where they put me? First class, right? And that just got all way, he just trying to remind you and me that you're already first class, right? You're already first class. You have a self-worth, why? Because it doesn't come from the world. I gave you self-worth, right, when I died for you. When I put you here on the earth, I gave you a self-value that the world can't touch. And you got to see yourself like that, right? 
even when you're not there, right? Even when you're not a millionaire, right? You got you to gotta think like a millionaire, right? Yep. Even when you're not valuable or you think you're not valuable, you got to go into that job interview like, man, I'm about to kill it, right? <laughs> well, which, I'm about to do it. Yeah, well, which goes, which goes by word of wisdom number 18, which honestly, this is probably overarching everything we've talked about, but you just said in word of wisdom for fathers 18, you said walk by faith. So mm. unpack that for us. Well, again, you know, um, what we want as men is we want to have everything figured out, or we think we need to have everything figured out, right? And he says, walk by faith, obviously not by sight. And so my whole life um, has just been a walk of faith. It's just been a walk of, you know, me just trying to believe greater than my circumstances, right? And am I scared sometimes? Absolutely. Did I make some bad choices? Absolutely. But, but walk by faith and believing that everything, watch this, is going to work out for you. Here's what I used to think. I used to think this. Um, I'm doing well, but something's coming. <laughs> that's going to knock me. Yeah, we think yeah. that way, right? Yeah. If yeah, it ain't yeah. one thing, it's uh, another. That was another. like the, the, the recurring thing, you know. And so I don't think that way anymore. I think, yes, like God is going to work it out for me. It is going to work in my favor. I am going to be able to, you know, accomplish my goals. I think like that, right? And then when hurdles or obstacles come, right, I blow right through them. Right? Which really goes along with Word of Wisdom number 19. And Word of Wisdom 19 reminds me very much of Word of Wisdom 15. Word of Wisdom 15 is failure produces success. So because of Word of Wisdom 15 and because of Word of Wisdom 18, walk by faith, Word of Wisdom 19 is play until you win. And you wrote in your book, it's not over until God says so. Whatever you don't destroy will eventually come back to crucify you. You must grow to a place where your past doesn't come back to choke your future. Mm. Yeah, uh, my mentality, sometimes my wife says, um, you're too competitive, right? <laughs> and yeah, she always says that, like, you're just too competitive. One of the reasons why I didn't push my daughter to play sports was because I didn't want to be that dad, you know, like, ah, you know, and ruin our relationship. And so, um, but I will play until I win. I will play cards until I win. I will do whatever I have to do um, because I believe that that resilience, that tenacity, um, that that push, right, that drive is going to get me through. Not because I'm so great, but because the God in me says, you can do it, right? I'm always, and I've been battling with this my whole life, am I good enough? I've been Ever. battling with that my my whole life. Am I good enough? And so whenever that fear comes, that anxiety comes, I play until I win. Well, you know, it's funny. I think every man has that demon inside saying, do you have what it takes? Uh, John Eldridge in his book, Wild the Heart, said that's the question men ask more than any other question. But here's what, and I'm going to show you that this inspires me because my life mantra, I have this life mantra. And uh, it, they'll probably be my tombstone. And here's what it is. You don't have to be the best. You simply have to outlast the rest. And, mm. if you, and when you play to win, it's like marriage. My, my wife and I have a great marriage today. And it was the worst marriage you've ever seen in the early days. 
but we were stubborn, we were committed, we were destined to make this marriage work or suffer trying, and God redeemed it and made it a beautiful mm. relationship. And that's what we're Ooh. saying, guys. We're saying, guys, play until you win. Stay in the game until no one else, you know, be the last man standing. If standing. you're committed, if you're committed to your kids like that, if you're committed to your marriage like that, if you're committed like that, guys, you are going to be a man who dies with no potential left in him. And that's what Kenny's saying in his book. So I really appreciate this, Kenny. So, hey, a word of wisdom for fathers, number 20 is, and, and Kenny, this goes right along with playing to win. This goes along with our whole theme here, and it's leave a legacy. And so mm. talk us through that uh, uh, word of wisdom 20. Well, I think that, you know, um, that's what we all want, right? We want to leave a legacy for the next generation. We want to leave a legacy for our kids. And I think that, you know, your 20s, you're, you're trying to figure it all out, right? Yeah. And once you find out your gift in your 30s, you're trying to practice and hone that. Then your 40s is when you get to benefit from that. Right. And then when you get to 50, what you want to do is you want to be able to have it in such a way that you can now you can pass that over to your your kids, the next generation. And I've always wanted to leave a legacy of that, not that the world would be proud of. Right. I want God to look down and and be like, man, like, I am so glad I made that guy, you know, like like when he was bragging on Joe. You remember when God's bragging on Job and he's like, have you considered my man, Job? I mean, blameless, right? Upright, you know? And I'm like, man, he's bragging on this guy. I want God to look at my life and be like, look at that guy. Look where that, he came from. Uh, that's, well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> look, I'm, yeah. I think, I'm thinking of two other verses. There's a verse in Acts chapter 7, verse 56, where Stephen, the first moderate martyr's dying, and he looks at Jesus standing at the right hand of God. It's the only time in the Bible that Jesus ever stands. And I thought, man, I want to I wanna live my life in a way to make Jesus stand and give me a standing ovation. But then you go back to Genesis chapter 6, and you see right before Noah, God says, man, I regret I, regret I ever made men. <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't want God to look at my life. And I know the men listening don't want to look, you know, go, go, man, that guy never got out of the damn bleachers. That guy was right. anonymous. I, I'm, I regret I never met him. I regret I ever made him. He, 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 he's, he's anonymous. He's worthless. He died with potential. And so, man, I, I know the guys listening don't want to be that guy. They want to be the Job guy. They want to be the guy that makes Jesus stand because I believe that God has wired men. There's something in us. Kenny, tell me if I'm wrong here. I think that God has put something in men and wired us that we want to be great. 100%. Why? Why? You think Michael Jordan's kids don't want to do well? You think you think uh, Warren Buffett's you know kids don't want to? Like every father sets the standard, and God set a standard for His kids and for us as men. Watch this: we're the only ones that watch this can take the title as father. You're we're absolutely right. <laughs> I know? mean, so yeah. so nobody else can do that, and so we there is something built in every man. But, 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 but the Bible talks about what? Stir it up. Stir up the flame, right? And you've got to stir it up. I know that there's a, there's a scene where he talks about like, you know, there's a war going on. And he says, you know what? I'm going to hold on to you, right? Until I get what I'm supposed to get, right? And so we yep. just have to embrace the struggle. We have to embrace some of that pain, right? But man, on the other side of this thing, right? Life is so much sweeter. Well, I mean, I love that because, you know, Paul told Timothy stir up the gift 
that is within you. And I think that's what God is saying to us as men. Stir it up. Don't stop stirring it up. And here's what we need, man. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23 and 24 talks about, let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So we need to get guys around us who will kick us in the butt, spur us on, stir up that gift within us so that when we're discouraged, when we want to give up, we want to leave with potential on the field, when we don't want to finish strong, we have guys in our life who have our six. And so, uh, hey, Word of Wisdom 21 is is simply, I mean, I think that it, this is a great bookend because if we don't bookend this one, I think that we're going to miss the boat here a little bit. And so, you know, you started off, your, your Word of Wisdom number one was know who you are. I think that's so important that we know who we are. And I think Word of Wisdom 21 if we don't get this, we're in trouble. And it's simply live in truth and obedience. So talk to us about that. Well, I think every man has to have some non-negotiables when it comes to his life and his goals, right? Mm. And don't negotiate your goals. I'm going to say that again. Don't wow. negotiate your goals. You've got to live in the truth. So. If my goal, which is 100 push-ups a day, I'm not going to do 90, right? I'm not yeah. going to do 95 and call yeah. it, right? Because when you start negotiating your goals, right, then 90 becomes 80, 80 becomes 50, and then before you know it, I'm not doing them, right? And yeah. it's the same way when it comes to your character as a man, the integrity, the responsibility as a man. You don't negotiate your integrity. You don't negotiate how you treat a woman. You don't negotiate uh, how you walk in Christ, your commitment to your kids. That's not negotiable, right? But the moment we start to negotiate, and we don't walk in truth and obedience, right? And we don't walk in reverence, and we don't have men in our lives that can speak to us, right? And say, hey, Kenny, that was wrong. You need to go back and fix that, right? If we don't have that, we, we, we're going to fail. We're going to fail miserably, right? And most importantly, we won't accomplish our goals. And then all of the rest of those things, leaving a legacy, you know, trying to be a better husband and father, those things are going to fall by the wayside, right? Yeah. And the family dies. Yep. No, that's so good. I've really appreciated our time together. And uh, we put out a equipping blast every week for men. It's just strictly to equip men. We, we put our podcast episodes up. We put our a blog up, we put a lot, uh, video up, and so this episode will be written into a blog that men can get to see all 21 of these words nice. of wisdom, and then also we can pick up, we want to get guys to pick up your book. I've already had a guy tell me he's already read the book since our last podcast. He ordered the book, wow. he's read the book. So I don't know how he did it, but it was impressive. And so wow. I want to encourage you guys to get the book, and if you are not a part of our equipping class, guys, go to our website and uh get involved in that. And so Kenny, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. I'm assuming you guys can pick up the book online at Amazon, but how do these guys uh, learn more about your ministry? Do you have a website? Yes, you can go to boyswithapurposesc.org uh, or you can email me at boyswithapurpose at gmail.com um, to see all the, the, uh, the great things we're doing. We're partnering now with uh, uh, the College of Charleston here in South Carolina. We're partnering with Boeing uh, to come in and do a robotics piece with our boys. And uh, we're just trying to create this whole pipeline because Boeing will pay for the four-year degree, the master's, and the Ph.D. if you go into their workforce. So 
Um, I just want kids to go to college and come out with no debt. <laughs> Man, that's good. Well, I appreciate your uh, ministry and your efforts. You are a modern-day hero, and if you probably don't hear that enough because you're grinding it out, but we sure appreciate you and honor you today, and uh, thanks. So, Dale, what's up next, man? Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to meninarena.org and pick up Jim's book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. And while you're at it, leave us a review, send us a... Go to the podcast app or on our website and contact us and send us a review. You can email us at info at menintherena.org. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.